This is On Being's Unheard Cuts. I'm Krista Tippett. You're listening to my unedited conversation with Gustavo Santaolalla. Download the MP3 of our produced show with him at onbeing.org. Hello. Hola. Hola. This is Krista Tippett. How are you, Krista? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm sorry you had to. No, You've I'm been so in traffic. Sorry. Yeah, I've been in traffic and there was no parking spaces. I was lucky enough to find one here in the front of the building. So. I'm so glad. <laughs> That's cool. Well, so I'm here. Take some deep breaths and settle in. Mm-hmm. There you go. Ready to go. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Um, well, you know, first of all, it's kind of, it's a kind of complicated part of town when you exit the freeway because it's like street that turn into other streets and you have to like, you know, keep your left and make a slightly left turn here and, uh, and then, you know, uh, but which actually looked for me like a total left, you know, I've been here before, but it's always tricky when I have to do it. Again, I'm coming from the east side of town. I live in Echo Park, the area, the Silver Lake Echo Park area. And this is, you know, Culver City. So it's, you know, it's just a little drive from there. How are we doing with sound? <clears throat> okay. Um, do you, it, are, are there any questions you'd like to ask me before we start about the show? <laughs> how, how you're going to pronounce my last name? That's the, <laughs> the question that comes to mind. Um, uh, well, I have this brilliant producer, Lily, who's Colombian. And okay. she is going to help me pronounce it when the time comes. Would okay, you like to? Would you like to? I'd like to hear you say it so we have it on tape. Course. Though I promise. But this is. A, I take pride in That's this. It's very I easy. I'll, I'll give you. I'll do give a you good a job few. Of it. Okay. If it's very simple, mm-hmm. Santa, like Santa Monica, like Santa, you know, mm-hmm. Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. Santa mm-hmm. Olaya, Santa Olaya, Santa Olaya. Perfecto. Good. And do you stay, Perfecto. is it Gustavo, but the V is kind of soft? It's Gustavo. Gustavo. Yes. Gustavo. Yeah. Okay. We will do a good job of this. That's okay. You can trust <laughs> it's me. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> well, no, it's important. It happens quite often. I so can I'm imagine. Used to it and it's okay. I can imagine, but this is a point of pride for me. It's important. Mm. Um, so, so my show is about, uh, you know, the big questions of meaning and what it means to be human and and how we're perceiving that uh, differently as 21st century people. And then, you know, coming at that question um, from very different vantage points of different lives and experiences. So uh, I'm really excited to speak to you because I feel like your life and your art um, shines a special kind of light on those questions. So that's just a little bit by way of, um, you know, Framing what what we're going to talk about. Okay. Yeah. So you guide me. My and best. I just my to, best way of expressing yeah. myself is usually through the music. But. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know that. I know that. And so, what's wonderful about radio is we'll be able to. We can have some of you. You know, we can illustrate words with music. Absolutely. Yes. Well, so the, so we'll do that, and that's on my mind um, as we'll be talking. So Great. so tell me just as we begin. Um, um, how would you describe the spiritual background of your childhood? You know, how, however, how well, do you understand was, that now? Absolutely, I was raised in um, the province of Buenos Aires, 
Uh, um, I'm born Irene, I'm not a porteño. I, I wasn't, you know, raised in, in the city. I right. was like probably like, like an hour away from the city in a very bucolic place. I mean, you know, dirt roads and birds and insects and gardens and wonderful trees. Uh, my parents were Catholic. I mean, uh, my mom's still Catholic. My dad passed away when I was young. Um, and I was raised Catholic. And um, so um, I was always very, I always find a c connection between music and and kind of that, you know, spiritual life that, you know, came to me basically through, you know, me going to church and, and what I was, you know, learning there. Uh, I started playing guitar when I was five years old. Right. Uh, so it was a very early age. And, and, and you know, I, I could really connect the the, the music and, and that art, you know, to, to my spirit. Mm -hmm. And um, I... Um, I was a, you know, I was an altar boy. I mean, I did, you know, all the, the things that, and and I was very interested actually in in the church. Actually, I thought uh, of becoming a priest. Right. When I was a a little kid, but by the time I was eleven, I went into a spiritual crisis. Um, that, that's, so I say went, that's young for a spiritual crisis. <laughs> you were a prodigy in your spiritual uh, crisis. Well, <laughs> and uh, so I went. I went to the priest and um, and uh, you know told my my uh, questionings you know yeah. of, of <clears throat> some of these principles and <clears throat> and really didn't <clears throat> flew that well you know I'm so sorry. <clears throat> do, uh, do you have some so water the, there? You... Yes, I okay, do. I'm okay, going to take right, a sip. Sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, don't worry. We can we can edit this out. Just take your time. Yes. Okay. So I went to to the priest. I told him my um, my you know questions. And they called my parents, and uh, they—I don't know—I think they even planned to exercise me or something. And and uh, my my father, who was an amazing guy, you know, just told me, you know, listen, if you don't feel it anymore, you shouldn't do it, you know. And that was it. They I was never uh, called hmm. upon that subject anymore by my parents, and they just let me continue with my own search, hmm. which I still do until this day. Um, but um, if you're curious about what what were those questions that I went <laughs> to the priest with, uh, so do you remember? Yeah, of course I remember. Mm -hmm. Of course, it was a very important moment in my life. Yeah. Um, so um, I basically thought that if if God was you know almighty and and all kind you know, uh, and you know just pure love, how can eternal punishment exist? I mean, I could understand. I was looking at the, you know, los mandamientos, you know, the, the commands. And, you know, some of them I could understand, you know, don't kill and stuff. But, you know, don't steal. I didn't understand really that well because I thought, well, you know, there's a lot of people in this world that don't have even to eat. And I could see somebody stealing to feed their kids, you know. And I could see people that have, you know, lots of uh, <clears throat> money and, you know, that they you know, that had enough for, for a lot of people. So, I mean, how somebody, you know, that that do something like that could be punished for eternity, you know. So that I didn't really understand. And and the other thing that this was the one that really put all the alarms on was I said, well, if, if God is almighty and, 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 and it's all pure love and kind, how does, you know, 
the devil exist? How mm-hmm. does, you know, Satan exist? You know, the devil and, and hell exist. I mean, if God was almighty and all kind, he could just, you know, get rid of the devil. But if he doesn't, could it be that the devil is actually God's employee? Could it be that the devil actually is on God's payroll? You know, right. that, okay. I think that was a part uh, of the question that got you in trouble. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, you know, the the, the good thing about it was that, uh, as I said, that uh, I was very uh, supported by my family in my decision, and you know, we never uh, talk about that. And then I went into you know different searches in my life. I um, actually lived in a commune between eighteen and twenty four. And I led a pretty uh, monastic life. I mean, we're talking about years, you know, where we're, you know, the hippie years and, you know, other type of also of communes. But, you know, we... The, yeah, we I've did. seen that described as a yogic commune that you were in. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yes. And we did, you know, uh, comparative studies of religion. And, really? And it was a great... Yeah, And you were a, great, a band, right? But you were... you were. I, well, I, well, we were in a big band, yeah. a band that was, you know, and for I've a seen while. And I've seen it like a fusion of rock and Latin American folk. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Arcoiris was the name of the band, Rainbow. Right. And um, so, but I, I led a truly monastic life. I was, mm. you know, I I was uh, se- not only. I mean, I didn't do any drugs or alcohol. I didn't drink, uh, eat any meat. I mean, I was vegetarian in Argentina at a time where people looked at you like, "Is this guy okay? Is he sick? I mean, how can he not eat meat?" Uh, but also, I was celibate. You know, I mean, all, all really? those years. You know, yes, uh-huh. yes. I mean, in the in the in the pinnacle of success with my rock band. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I uh, I practice Kundalini yoga and you know so transmute my energy and uh, it was I mean it was a great learning experience and lots of stuff that I learned there I took with me for the rest of my life. Huh. Oh, so today, so lots of lots of things you know. Also, I felt that you know I, I really didn't resonate with me and that's why I left and why I split. There was a lot of things that are related with some. You know, of these organizations that actually end up being almost like a cult. You right, know? So right. that that part I really didn't like, and that kind of separation and segregation for from society, and and I, I mean a whole bunch of, of things. But there was a lot of things that actually were very useful, and that that there still are. You know. So then yeah. I continue my own my own search. Well, um, let me just ask you uh, about. So that yes. was your that was your first band when you were sixteen. But yes, I've I've read that you. Um, I've, I've actually, you know, I've been listening to other interviews you've given and, and reading, mm-hmm. and I've, I've seen two interesting musical influences from your early life, um, okay. and one of them is tango, that you just, yes. that you g- grew up listening to tango just around the mm-hmm. house, uh, and the other was the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, the and, Beatles are like my my. I think you know. I mean, I, of, of course, I, I was listening to music before the Beatles came. Yeah, you know, into our light, but but uh, really, the, they made the difference, and they were a guiding force, and you know, still are. I mean, I believe they're kind of like my musical parents, you know. Huh. Um, um, but uh, tango, I, I, you know, it was music that was ar- around the house and it was around uh, everywhere because you can hear tango in, on the buses or, you know, on the radio, at home. My father used to sing every morning. Meanwhile, he, he shaved. He would sing, you know, tangos and he would stop the shaving to, you know, finish a phrase of, of, of a tango <laughs> really? or something. So, so um um at you know at family reunions it was something that was played so uh, it was around 
me and part of my sort of my sonic landscape since I was a kid, uh, I was always, I always felt at the beginning really. I mean, I didn't get it when I was a kid, but when I you know, became more more involved and I had my band, I always had tremendous respect uh, for the musicians and for the genre. I mean, the genre is such an unbelievable uh, style of music. I mean, it's a style of music that can be so sophisticated and yet so popular. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you, people, both of those you things know, at the same time. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. And so I always was very very respectful about it, and I and and because I am. Uh, a sort of an advocate of the concept of identity, and I always felt that uh, it was very important for me to to show uh, who I am and, and 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 where do I come from in everything that I do. Um, and I think it's such an important thing to, as an artist, no matter what what do you do, to to have a, the concept of identity, finding really who you are as 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 an artist. I knew that at certain point. Tango was going to come into my life. I just, you know, had to wait and mm. when that moment. And I think uh, in my case, although there are some great younger tango performers and, and artists involved with the culture, um, and my in my case, I mean, I think age play an important role. I think. Uh, how, how, what do you mean tango, by that? Well, I think tango it taps into subjects in such a passionate and 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 with. Such a uh, experienced in life that you have to really have lived some time to really appreciate it. You know, I always find very, uh, almost I would say ridiculous. You know, when when you see a little kid on TV singing a tango, I just think that that, that they can't you, get it, that they can't possibly understand it. No, because I think you know you need to have some uh, true. Uh, you know, heavy experiences. I mean, you have to ex- have experienced life to be able to interpret mm. uh, properly uh, uh, that genre. So, so in my case, yeah. it really worked that way. Uh, you know, I, that's when when I decided to explore in the in the in the genre, and uh, and I um, I founded Bajo Fondo. You know, with a, with a friend of mine from Uruguay, we did a, this this combo which you know I still play and I still tour with mm-hmm. uh, and then that led me to to try to connect with the the guys that actually sort of created you know the originals because we don't do tango with Bajo Fondo we just do contemporary music of right. Rio de la Plata you know we mix a whole bunch of stuff but you know I really truly wanted to know more about and since I'm not an academically trained musician I don't know how to read or write music my I know, way that's of, pretty remarkable oh thank you but uh, the, my, my way really to, to learn is by doing it you know playing mm-hmm. it or listening to it or being close to somebody that that is a master so I can you know learn something from uh, that way and uh, and so I did a project called Café de los Maestros that involved uh, uh, I think the greatest uh, tango players alive at the moment unfortunately that project you know came out in 2005 and most of the people that participated on that uh, are now gone and so it was great to actually capture them uh, still vital still you know doing great music um, and um, and it was a very very rewarding uh, experience so you know i want to ask you i mean I, I think what you just said about tango that it holds depths of of human experience you know, one thing that people will say, people experience in your music, um, and certainly, um, and probably most people have experienced that through through the m- music you've written for movies, Brokeback Mountain or Babel or Motorcycle Diaries, um, 
is this scope of human experience, laughter and joy and pain and heartbreak and loss, that all those things are there together. Um, and, I, and I do want to ask you um, if you think that that was also informed by growing up in Argentina when you did. I mean, you, you talked about identity as this theme that runs throughout your life and yes. your spiritual search and your music. And I, yes. I just wonder if you'd say a little bit more about that root um, of, your, of your own identity. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, there's a combination of, of many things. Uh, I think it's ob- obviously your, what gives you that identity, you know, your, your upbringing, whatever you are exposed to. I mean, in the case of a, a musician or, you know, the music that you heard as a child and, and, uh, and then, you know, finding your own voice. And uh, I always was very interested I mean, as, as I mentioned, we mentioned we talk about the Beatles, you know. I mean, yeah. um, uh, I always, I mean, as, as you know, I took them as a guide, but and I and I had a band too. But I always felt that just like them were influenced by classical music or Indian music or this, that yeah. you know, that I could use that that canvas, you know, to to you know to incorporate elements that will be related to actually, you know, the environment that I grew up, which was Argentina. And that's why Arcoiris mixed uh, uh, Argentinian and Latin American folk music with with what we were doing, with rock and blues and, you know, jazz and all all that stuff. But I think that's, it's only a part of the identity. I think, I mean, as I grew older and did more, I mean, lots of times I've been able to articulate things um, years after I've done, I've, you yes, know, I've right. played them, you right. know, <clears throat> that I, I really then I went, oh, that's what I was doing. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, for example, I mean, now I can talk about my use of silence and space in the music, but it was totally something that was, I mean, unconscious in the same. I mean, that was the way I heard that it should be played, you know, no, not that it was something that I was doing on purpose, that there was, you know, an, a, a logistic behind that uh, that decision. It was very intuitive, just like everything that I that I do. Can and you, I think, can you think about yes. a, um, a, something you've you wrote or um, where where you observed the silence or space later on? A piece I of think music. Brobag, Brobag Mountain is a great example, uh-huh. you know. Like uh, uh, some of those, uh, the first, I mean, the, the first theme that plays when the, the movie opens, you know. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. And so there's all those spaces, you know. I mean, I love that moment where you're kind of suspended and you're, you know, it's not the silence that occurs at the very end of a tune, but it's a silence that occurs between two notes. Mm-hmm. I, I like to think that, you know, playing a lot a lot of notes is something that is easier to achieve you just practice a lot and you get to play a lot of notes not playing it's a little bit more difficult sometimes you know okay uh but um but um going back to the subject of identity i yeah. feel that there's a point that that even all those influences i mean obviously they come to play a role but then there's something more deep that really relates to who you are as a human being, you know, uh, and obviously that all all those elements, those cultural elements, your upbringing, all that that plays a role. But there's something else that that is very hard to articulate in words. But there is something that comes from within, and that connects to something that 
I don't understand and any any artist that is really honest I think will agree that there's a point that you don't really know who is doing what you're doing I mean you are doing it but there's something there's a connection with something else that is beyond your understanding and uh, and finding who you are in that connection mm. that's another part deeper part of your identity that I'm working on now you know that's yeah that's really interesting and it's also something that's really hard to talk about right to put words around. absolutely yeah it's because i hear you you're talking about something relational and like whether you want to call that god or yes i don't like i mean for many years you know i mean i i'm kind of like an agnostic now yeah. you know and I, i've uh um, so so the, and I, and so how do you think about what that what that what is what are you connecting with? Just I mean I just wonder if I can probe a little bit more about how you. I think I'm connecting with an energy that obviously surpasses me in the sense that I can't really understand it and mm-hmm. I can't really comprehend it or or, or totally grab it, and um, you know and uh, so as much as I you know I, I enjoy uh, Richard Dawkins and uh, you know I, I like you know his. Statements and, I, and as I did, I mean, not not politically, but I like his statements. His about critique religion. of talking religion. about now uh, Christopher Hutchins. You know, yeah. I, I yeah. didn't necessarily agree with his political views, especially in the last part of his life. But uh, but I I do enjoy, you know, his take on on many things uh, that have to do with religions and and God and stuff. <clears throat> I do feel that there is something that is. Uh, bigger and stronger than 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 me than each one of these elements that we are you know part of mm. you know mm-hmm. and, and that I somehow that's in the creative process that you experience I, that through the creative process i believe so mm-hmm. i believe so it's something that it's really beyond me uh, and, uh, and and i think because of the connection <clears throat> with a with a heart with the feelings you know it's yeah. not something that is just <clears throat> neurological you know what i mean i'm sure there is a you know uh there's a, an old um uh, believe yoga word uh, word that encompasses mind and heart all yeah. together in one word um so i think i mean there, there is that but 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 uh, i i always i mean i feel that Whatever I do, it has to be connected with with the heart. Uh, as much as rational as I can put into something and say, I'm going to use this instrument or for this movie, I believe this. And mm. That is par- part of a, you know, rationalizing what I'm going to do. The moment that I'm creating and that I'm there confronted with, you know, whatever comes out of, of you know, the, my hands or whatever I'm, you know, playing... Um, it's something really that connects with my heart, you know. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I feel like there's also, uh, well, there, well, there's very much in your musical career um, this transcend, transcending boundaries of identity. I mean, certainly, you know, geographic and cultural right um and and again it's just, this isn't i mean it's all through your musical career um it's certainly there i mean in the movies the scores you've done for movies you know brokeback mountain could not be more american you know babel had this middle eastern component motorcycle diaries latin america but i 
it it's and it seems like that uh, is a, a special part of your kind of inspiration. Um, how, how how does that fit into kind of your I don't know I would say your philosophy of music or what music can do? <clears throat> well, I do believe that part of you know you know you have an identity. A first identity that is related probably to your family. Yeah. Then you have an identity with your block, the block that you live in, yeah. then your neighborhood, then the city, you know, then the country, then the region of the world, and then finally the world. There is an identity of us as, you know, planetary beings. Yeah. And uh, I, I like to connect with that identity too, you know, and I think, uh, I mean, what you just mentioned about the, the you know, tapping into different you know, uh, cultural uh, backdrops, you know, for what I'm doing in the in case of Brokeback Mountain, this Americana backdrop, yeah. right? Or, what, what, I mean, the things that you just mentioned, um, <clears throat> it connects with that, with that identity as a, as a human being, just beyond uh, the, the place that I come from or, you know, or the family. The family is my family, obviously, my father and my mother, but the family is a family of man, too. You know, so uh, mm -hmm. so I think that that's and and I and and, and specifically also I mean in those examples, Brokeback Mountain and Babel and Motorcycle Diaries, I I did want to you know also obviously express in the music, uh, you know the backdrop that this music was set up against, but at the same time I wanted to give it a universal feeling. I think um, yeah, in Brokeback Mountain, for example, I know. That there is an influences of, and I mentioned, I said this several times, you know, of Atahualpa Yupanqui, who's a, who was a, an amazing guitar player and, and singer songwriter, for from Argentina. Probably nobody knows this, but I know that hmm. that, that there there is an influence, and and I'm pretty sure if somebody from, you know, uh, Texas would have done the music, it would have been different, you know, hmm. but, but and yet you know it fit the movie. The, the music it, it it did fit and and nobody said oh this sounds like this you know this doesn't sound like a music that could right. uh, be in an Americana movie it, right it, it fits but yet it was you know it has that for me that global component that I that I also like to to feel that I that I have in my that sort of universal feeling to it no matter if it's yeah. you know. T tinted with you know South American flavor or with an Americana flavor or with a Middle Eastern flavor still has a universal appeal. But I think that you know you when you talked a minute ago about the different layers of identity that pertain to all of us the you know from the very personal to the global. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think though even though in the 21st century we live in a globalized world where our fate is tied in very concrete ways to people across the globe. That heart connection to that reality is 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 not always easy to muster, right? We haven't all made that leap in our in our uh, minds and hearts. I'm sorry, to, you you said our fate is connected. Yeah, that our fate, fate. I mean, we genu genuinely are tied to the to the fate of people around the world. Absolutely, right? we are but, all connected. But we don't always, you know, it, it can also be an abstraction. Um, and it seems to me that as with your music, that through music you actually have access to that, to those music overlapping is, you know, identities in a way that I, I, I have to agree, I agree with you uh -huh. because I, I think music is a, is a different 
art form. I mean, I've been <clears throat> told this by the, some of the, you know, the, these great directors that I had the opportunity to work with. I mean, and, and not just one of them, but, you know, probably, you know, three of them, you know, of the great ones, Alejandro González Iñárritu, Walter Salles, and Ang Lee. I mean, they manifested how sometimes, you know, they feel envy about, you know, a, a musician because, you know, for their art, you know, there's so many... Uh, steps involved in the process of making a film, you know, right. from, you know, getting the camera and shooting a scene and editing and looking at it and act. I mean, whereas, you know, you grab, grab a guitar and you can just, you know, create a moment and then it goes. Boom, that's it. You know, if you play something <laughs> live, you will play it in and they went. Where did it go? You know, but, but it could evoke in that moment uh, all kinds of, of emotions. I think music has that uh, it's uh, embedded in the, the DNA of music, this, this universal um, thing, you know, this, this universal connection. It, it is part of what music has that I don't think all arts have. Right. And, you know, you've told a story about um, that when you, were, when you were doing the score for Babel, you, know, you said you, you were looking for an instrument that worked as a connector, Correct. And you didn't want it to end up sounding like it was a National Geographic National Geographic documentary. Correct. Right? And, I mean, tell that story. Because I think that's a great example, though, of also how you're, you know, you're not doing this in a yeah. linear, simplistic yes, way. Yes, because uh, I, I, you know, an, an instrument can be a great kind of a, you know, s- s- storyteller, too. And I, I, I thought about it for for. Babel specifically because, you know, the film takes place in three different yeah. locations, in Africa, in Southern California, Mexico, Mexican border, and in Japan. So I found in the oud that instrument, and the, the oud is uh, the ancestor of the lute, therefore the ancestor of the guitar, right. something very related to, to me personally. Uh, so the oud was was perfect for this, this you know... Uh, Arabic feel that that you know that that I wanted to to have in the in the Moroccan uh, part of, of the film, uh, but although I don't play the the oud like a traditional oud player because they play with a plectrum, I play with my fingers. Mm. It, it's a totally different uh, groove. I just you know, but it still is the instrument. It still is the oud. Uh, funny enough, I've heard now you know some people doing stuff in the oud that. It's related to Babel, but, you know, it wasn't used that way before. But I just thought, but, but that's what I what I wanted. I didn't want it to sound, you know, 100% truly folkloric from that part. I just wanted to evoke that that feeling. And, and that instrument, because it was an ancestor of the guitar, and he connected to the guitar for me was perfect for the Mexico, you know. Right, it has kind of has tentacles to these other cultures then. Of course. Uh-huh. And it had a resonance, especially when I played it the way I played it, with the koto, which is a string instrument from Japan. So right. I, I found that this instrument could connect the stories and it was a great uh, helper for, for, for me. There's this... Um there's this line I think you've said is is an, is an Argentinian idea that paint your little village and you will be painting the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's what we've been <laughs> talking yeah. about. I, th- I yeah. think uh, uh, 
uh, the, the, the things. I mean, we. I'm going to mention a, a movie that I did the music for that I'm very proud of and I really love. Yeah. It's called Wild Tales. And it's actually nominated now for Best Foreign Movie for the Oscars, you know. Uh, it's an Argenti Argentinian-Spanish co-production. The Spanish side is produced by Pedro Almodóvar. Mm. But the movie takes place in Argentina, and there are six stories um, with no connection. But, I mean, there is a connection because it's it's a, it's a movie that deals with um, that moment where, where, where we, we as human beings can lose it. Totally, and and become violent, you know. Right, it's, right. But it's a very dark humored movie. I mean, it's very funny. It's very violent, and and it's very dense and deep. But and yet, it's very, very, very funny. And the this is a great example because it's a movie written and directed by Damien Cifron, and uh, it's uh, these are very very Argentinian stories in a way. And you know, the characters are extremely Argentinian and in different environments because some of these happen inside of the country and some of these are very urban uh, stories. Um, but they're very, very universal. I mean, he's really painting something that, that you know, in the surface will look, uh, on the surface will look very Argentinian. But then it connects, you know, with really... Everybody in the world. The movie has been sold around the world. It's doing amazingly in Spain, in France. Uh, it's going to be released here in, in February in the United States, so we'll see. But it's been nominated now um, for an Oscar. I mean, that shows you when you know when, right, when right. somebody is doing something that can be so connected to a, a very peculiar reality, and yet it's so well. It paints so well that village that it's painting the world. Mm. I mean, you know, human beings, the nice thing about it is that, you know, there's this amazing diversity, you know, that we have, but at the same time, this this amazing sameness that we have, you know, yeah, we are right, right. very much alike, you know. Everybody wants to have a roof. Everybody wants, you know, likes to, you know, feed their kids and, and you know, and be able to have a job and, and have, you know, take care of their health. I mean, this is something that everybody around the world wants and needs, you know. Yeah. And I wonder if, you know, I wanted to ask you about what you've learned about how music works with movies and in movies um, to, mm -hmm. to deepen and 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 you know, complete that experience. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering as, as I'm listening to you speak whether, you know, in fact, the music in movies is, is part of what draws us on an emotional level into that, like makes this experience that we're watching the story connects on another level to our own, to our own internal lives. Yes. I'm going to talk from my yeah. particular experience because there's you know so many ways to to tap into this and there's people you know that that do a different type of work and still is amazing you know people that work with you know huge orchestras yeah. and with movies that have music and music and music and music i mean you know i mean i've done some of that too but in general you know my approach has been always more more minimal uh, and uh, and with a more discreet use of music, I I find that music uh, in movies. I I in general like not to have too much music in the movies. I like mm. the music to become relevant at certain points. Uh, you know, uh, I say this 
several times, but um, when you have a really dramatic scene or some, when something is really happening on the screen, why would you put some music to it, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, you, mm-hmm. you can turn something dramatic into something melodramatic right. very easily. You know, I find that also very... Uh, uh, disturbing sometimes in documentaries, you know, when you have something that is uh, a very strong reality or very, yes. and you put music to it, and then it kind of like trivializes. Well, like it can also be saying, it's most know, emotionally you know? manipulative. <clears throat> exactly, and yeah. then so I, I, so I, I always like to to be more discreet with the music, to try to you know let the scene finish and then come in with the music to kind of support and let. You as an spectator emotionally, you know, get that get that scene, you know, sink into you, you know, but mm-hmm. by the help of the music. But once that the, the scene is done, you know, so um, I'm. I mean, I'm not going to say, you know, I mean that I I am an advocate of dogma, you know, and not having <laughs> no music whatsoever. But I really like the the script of music, and I think also then music becomes even more relevant. I mean, when right, when you right. have music and music and music and music and music, after ten minutes, the music becomes totally irrelevant. Right. Um, and also, I really dislike when when I see. I mean, I could see picture myself, picture uh, 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 myself watching a, a director and an editor in a, in a room, looking at a screen and seeing, uh, uh, looking at a scene that is not working, and saying, you know, let's put some music. You know, let's <laughs> let's right. see if we can we can solve this with the music. You right. Know? Uh, and uh, I just don't, don't like that, and I see that a lot. Huh. But also, I was really intrigued to learn that you is. Do you always write the music before the film is shot? I don't, but uh, but that's my that's my f- favorite way of of working. I but mean, that's I really so like... surprising, I think, to an outsider. I mean, I, one would never imagine that that's even possible. Well, um, I. I mean, my, my the biggest example of that is Brokeback. I did the whole score of that movie. Just from the script, and one meeting with Ang Lee, really, and, uh, and actually, you know, he, he before they shot one frame, and obviously, I mean, it was the genius of Ang Lee to say, "Well, we're going to put this piece here, we're going to yeah. put here this, we're going to repeat it here," but he had, by the moment he, you know, sat down to, to edit the film. He had a basket full of music, you know, that, mm. that it was inspired mm. by the story, the characters, and by talking to him just once. But, you know, had a great meeting with him. Um, I like to, to work that way, more in an abstract. And then, obviously, you know, uh, it just adjusted to to a particular scene or you know edited to the to the image or you know work and if you need to extend a part or something but the themes the mood of of the the music of the, of the film um i like to do it that way and i feel the like for example ang will listen to the music during the shooting and play the music to the actors. I know Alejandro González Iñárritu, in some of the hospital scenes in 21 Grams, he played the music on the set because oh, he was going to replace the sound anyhow. Yeah. So he could kind of create a mood by playing the music. And um, so I think the music also becomes kind of a part of the fabric of the film in a different way. Yes. Uh, Rather than, than an accompaniment, it's part of the fabric. And, yeah, and usually, I mean, I have to say, in the, the way the, the industry works is that the, the musician 
or the composer comes at the very end when yeah. the movie is already edited with some temp music, yeah. which is music from other people, from other movies, and then the composer kind of have to, you know, chase that temp, uh, and it's not mm. really very creative, to right. be honest. I, I just don't don't like to work that way. I don't do many films. I, I'm very very picky about selecting the films that I get involved with, but um, but I feel very proud of them, and I like the the way that I've been able to work in them. I, I saw online a really interesting conversation that you were part of with John Williams, mm-hmm. and you. You brought up the subject of the move, the music in Psycho and in Jaws, which, of course, he did. Um, well, he didn't do Psycho. Psycho no, no, Jaws. Like right, Jaws. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jaws. Yeah. yeah. And, but I, I wondered if you would—it was so interesting because, you know, you really asked him a question, but in your question was, was how you observe the power of those two piece, pieces of movie music, which, you know, are just iconic. Um, you talk a little well, there's bit that about element that? of obsessiveness that those two pieces have right. that I think are, are instrumental to create that tension that produces in the spectator, you know. And I think he, uh, they both mastered that. I mean, they really got it. It's not just a matter of repeating something. It's a matter of how you do it. And I think, you know, in both instances, it was perfect. Um, and uh, it was a conversation, you know, we had also with Gustavo Dudamel yes. that we did at the Academy, and we had to pick up some some pieces of, of movies that or music that that were, you know, relevant to us. And so I, I, I thought it was appropriate to pick a piece from Mr. Williams, you know, yeah. and such an icon and, and such a, a diverse uh, composer than I am. I mean, he actually represents quite the opposite. I mean, you know, he he is, you know, I mean, he works with huge orchestra and yeah. he's known for these huge orchestral scores. Uh, it was very funny because the first question that we had that evening was how would you like to, to work, you know, from the image or from the script? And it was, you know, he said from the image, I said from the script. <laughs> right. It was like from the very beginning, first question, you right. know. But uh, obviously, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan and, and like, you know, I mean, who can't be? I mean, those melodies and those, I mean, themes are, you know, now in... Those are global themes too now, you know. Yes, and know. just say a little bit more about what you hear happening in you know those two pieces of music, or just to choose one of them. What you hear, what it is, in what's what, in how that's composed and played, that how that's hooking into the human psyche. <laughs> well, I I think I mean the element of obsessiveness, the choice of the timbers being you know low you know brass that that John used or the the one you know that are using seco, which are really high strings, you yeah. Know, like Bernard Heber. Um, I, I think I mean the, the obsessiveness, the timber, the choice of the timbers, the tension, and something that co- connects, I think, with um, with a heartbeat in a way. I mean, how mm. how when we get anxious, uh, our heartbeat kind of accelerates. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, there is a connection with that anxiety. It produces a, a not only tension but anxiety, 
I think that's I think that that that's really interesting about those two pieces that because you know tension you, there's a lot of pieces that create tension but these pieces not only create tension they create a high level of anxiety yeah um, yeah and uh, but you know I mean they mastered it there's there's you know there's other pieces in history but I think those two are you know iconic and and that's you know to to go a little bit deeper with that idea I, mean, I feel like for you from a very early age and all the way through your life with music you you live with a conviction that music has the power to transform people that it is tra- a transformative medium and i wonder if you could say a little bit more about you know how you've come to understand why that is and how it happens in in, in your work Again, I think I'm this sorry. is something hard to talk I miss, about. Miss the, miss the, miss the first part. I'm How, sorry. That m- music that music has a power to transform us. That it is a transformative experience. Correct. And how? Why? Why is that? What hap- What does music work in us that makes it transformative when it is? Well, I think first of all, I think anything that steers your emotions have the potential. To transform you, yeah, and I think music has that that power. You know, it's it's something that really, uh, and I think, for example, I mean, why music works when it does in films and stuff. Apart of creating tension and anxiety, like the Bernard Herrmann case or or the John Williams case, yeah, um, music works in films. I mean, and it is known to to really propulse emotions. You know, to really so. Anything that that taps into emotions, as I said, already has the potential of transforming you. Um, uh, there is. It's very hard to, exp- to I know, express. I know. I know. It's hard in, to put words in words. In. Yeah. But um, I always f- feel that whenever you learn something different, the, one of the most revolutionary things that there is is. Education. Education means learning something, and when you when you learn something, you change, you know, by just by learning something different, and and and, and so it's it's very revolutionary for me uh, the possibility of changing, and I think which is transforming, um, and I think with music. Uh, and when we're talking about music in the most abstract sense, in, in, the, in what I'm saying is not not necessarily songs which have lyrics which already can conduct you, right, right, you know, but but just a, a piece of instrumental music. I think just by steering your emotions, uh, you you can learn something about uh, yourself, you mm. know, uh, and uh, and by once again by learning, you are being transformed. In a way, even if it's something that we can't necessarily articulate, there is a process of, of for me, of uh, when you are confronted with a work of art and with a great piece of music, of learning something different uh, about the world, about life, about yourself, and I think that transforms you. Mm-hmm. You. You you often speak of yourself as an artist, mm-hmm. not a musician, an artist mm-hmm. who works in the with music. And you've also said that art is a way of reorganizing reality. Mm-hmm. I think what you just said is one way to understand that. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I, I when, when you think about the music, the scale, right? It's 12 notes. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, the seven notes with the semitones and stuff. Basically, it's, you know, the way I organize those notes that will be, you know, my melody and you know, the way the other guy will organize those, it will be his melody. And the way you organize three notes, it will be a chord or four notes are a chord. And so, I mean, a, a painter that decides and interprets, you know, a, a, a sunset in a particular way, you know, but it's really putting reality in in, in, in in a partic peculiar way of looking at reality. You know? mm -hmm. So it's reorganizing it in a very peculiar way. That peculiar way is what gives you the the tag, the brand. It's a Picasso because he has a particular way of reorganizing um reality and the, the vision of reality his vision of reality, you know? Yeah. Um and I think that's what 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 is is so exciting that uh, and and um it's something once again that transform us and also exercise us i mean art art has that possibility you know so 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 you know that's what you know somebody that writes us it's feeling very sad and writes a, a piece of music it's it's a way of exercising that and tur turning transforming that you know sadness into something now you know reorganizing yeah, right. the, those those feelings in a way that now are, you know, materialized in a piece of music. Right. That's a form of transformation as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You are more recently working on the soundtrack for a video game. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I wanted to ask you about that because, I mean, so when I look this, this is called The Last of Us. And when I look yes. up the description yes. of it, it says action, adventure, survival, horror, video game. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it has the caution, blood and gore, intense violence, sexual themes, strong language. Yeah. <laughs> um, all of the above. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I wonder how you think about, I, I sense that for you there's, there's a purposefulness in everything you do in your music. And uh, um, how do you think about the, the meaning or the transformation that's happening with Something like this video game, and and granted, I'm and I'm, I'm giving you the Wikipedia definition of it, and I have not I have not really seen it, so I, I'm curious about your well, experience. Well, the that. the video game, I mean, represented for me to start with a, a challenge, you know, to do yeah. something in a different media that I've never worked before. That was already very attractive to me. Obviously, the the reason that that, that you know pushed me to do it was because I when I met Neil Druckmann, who's the writer and director. I I loved his vision and I and I thought I mean this this makes sense my I I'm not a gamer myself but I have a 15 year old son that is a gamer that yeah, plays right. you know, all kinds of games so I've been you know sort of you know <clears throat> around it and looking at it from the sides but I, I I knew something about that world and this game really um wanted to to uh, to show that there was other ways to make a game. And I've always been very interested in that. You know, I've always been attracted to alternative music, to music that is not, you know... And by alternative, I don't mean just alternative rock music. I mean alternative in the sense that it's not your typical mainstream music, and it mm. could be in any genre. Uh, I mean, we produce a, a, I produce a record by the Kronos Quartet, you know, which yeah, I right. think they're alternative to. You know, so I, I thought... Uh, that this was fantastic. It's a game, you know, that that uh, even if it has some of the elements and the 
the codes that are related to this type of games, it really uh, brought to the table a whole bunch of different things and spaces, and that's how it's being so praised for, you know, the game and, and the way the use of the music, which was also very different than usually the way the music is used in video games, and the kind of music, which is, you know, more my kind of music, and which is not the typical video game music. So I think um, the, 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 the reason, I mean, I, I, I decided to do was basically because I, I, I like the, the story of Joel and Ellie and, and what was happening. I love Neil's vision. And, uh, and I'm very interested in that, you know, sort of virtual world. And I, I, yeah. I, I see it at, at home, you know, with my son and, and you know, how can be... Uh, very distracting in a way, but also can be very uh, enjoyable and very, um, uh, I mean, useful in a certain sense because you ha you you have to develop certain um, abilities, como si habilidades, uh, certain skills, yeah. you know, that 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 are that are interesting, you know, strategies or logistics that you know make your your brain work in a different way. Yeah, As and that anything whole, else, yeah, <clears throat> it should be done with with uh, moderation, right? <laughs> yeah, if not, you yeah, know, but I mean, a that zombie whole, yourself, you know, <laughs> that whole genre of uh, you know action, adventure, survival, horror is is everywhere, especially for these for new generations. There's something about. This. Probably something that reflects the outside reality. Too. Yeah, it's a way to to put it together. It's it's another way of reorganizing reality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We we live in a society that is unfortunately full of zombies and horror and yeah. and you know uh, awful things. Um, but and unfortunately, we just can't go into a console and take care of them. That's know? right. That's right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, I want to just ask my producers behind the glass if they have any questions. Um, so. So Chris, well, they, he won't be able to hear them, right? So I'm going to be I'm going to be quiet for a minute, listening in my headphones, and then I'll no come problem. back to you with no some problem. questions. Whatever you need. Okay. 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 Yes. So, um, you know, one thing we haven't talked about yet is um, Motorcycle Diaries, which was about Che, che Guevara and... Yes. You know, my colleague Lily, who's who's Colombian, you know, talks about how how important and how, how especially people in Latin America saw that and reacted to that, and and just the question about you know your own identity, which we talked about um, in the beginning, um, as an Argentinian, as a Latin American, um, as a global citizen, just was that was that story, and was and was working with music with that story meaningful for you in a special way? It was very meaningful because I would say that, you know, I, I come from that generation um, yeah. where, I mean, all, all those 
those moments were happening at the same time. At the same time that the Beatles were happening, yeah. Che Guevara was, you know, in full force. You know, so, I mean, lots of things. And, you know, and Eastern philosophies were coming. And, I mean, I come from that generation. So he's a, <clears throat> a man that definitely has marked us. Uh, he's, the fact also that he's Argentinian. And the fact that he was a, you know, a guy that, at the very at, until the very end, stayed true to his beliefs, and and he was a revolutionary. You know, he wasn't. Mm -hmm. You know, he was a guy that thought that that uh, it was necessary to to implement the use of of weapons uh, to sometimes you know get. But uh, what 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 he viewed was a, a better world. Um, I, I particularly loved working in motorcycle diaries because it tapped into a moment in his life in which he wasn't still Che. He was Ernesto Guevara. He was a, you know, right, right. a guy that uh, became a, a, a doctor, you know, and and, uh, and he wanted to to really go out and look at the world. I mean, this is, you know, this is a, a time, you know, in the 50s and stuff, you know, very, very related to, you know, to also people, you know, like Kerouac and people, I mean, that really right, wanted right. to go on that road to try to look for, you know, really find answers, find answers for themselves. It was, you know, it was a self sort of discovery uh, trip. And uh, so that, that trip that he took with Granado was something that really, I think, kind of shaped and formed the Che to come. You know what I mean? So yes. he, I mean, all those experiences that he lived in those fair, first trips marked him profoundly uh, you know I mean I, I think like uh, when you read um, when the story of you know Siddhartha Gautama you know the Buddha when he finally went out of the the palace and went and out to the outside world and looked at what was happening came back he was totally transformed he knew he he wanted to to do something you know and I think um, of uh, Ernesto the same way you know I think that that was very very important for him uh, to decide what he was going to do and what he was going to devote the rest of his life. Right. Did Did you read the script for that before you wrote the music, or did it work differently? No, I read the script that before I I, I wrote the music and and lots of the music I did before seeing anything. Too. Oh. But you know, but partially. I mean, I always put the example of Brokeback because that was you know hundred percent of the score was right. done like that. But in all the other films, there's a big percentage that I do beforehand and then some that I need to do once, you know, the movie's done. So, you know, you've, you've traveled a long way from, um, from, your, from your childhood uh, mm -hmm. in Argentina. You traveled a long way musically and geographically. You, you left. You, you've gone back. Um, I, you've always thought, it, se it seems to me that you've always thought about identity um, it's kind of been a, th a theme through your life, um, mm -hmm. and also about, and also had music as a as a source of spirit and meaning. And I, I wonder, you know, what what have you learned about, you know, what what do you know now that you that you didn't know when you left Argentina at twenty four? What are what are some of the insights that have come with time and experience that you might not have guessed then? Well, I think, I mean, one of obviously transformative experiences to having kids, yeah. you know, to, to have uh, children. And, and all of my my 
children were born here in the United States. I mean, they, they you know, the bilingual and they know they go to Argentina at least once a year and they have traveled extensively so they have that I tend also for them to have that uh, global quality but I think I mean that's something definitely that that when I came from Argentina didn't know and that's something that obviously transforms you as a human being you know it's the, yeah. the, the biggest decentralizing factor that you can encounter <laughs> I like that that's a good way to put your, it yeah in your life is having a kid yeah. you know so um that i learned also because i travel so much around the world i mean i i kind of been able to support some of my ideas the ideas you know that that we talked before that, you know, how, how diverse we are and how similar we are. Because I've been around the world and I had the opportunity to travel, you know, not in all the world, but, you know, quite a, you know, quite a bit of of a road. You know, I've been in, in big places like, you know, China or India or Japan and, you know, several times, you know, in Africa and, you know, Europe and Greece and, you know, Turkey and uh, Israel you know and, yeah. uh, so uh, so i i've i've meeting you know people from around the world um kind of um, connect me more with those kind of global thoughts about us as a, f- a family of of men and that also i didn't know when I, or i i i sort of thought about it but but now I, I think I know much more about it, and that that has also deep impact uh, had deep deep impact in me. Uh, meeting so many people from from different places, um, I I think I mean I, I one of the things is again I mean re, reaffirming things that we always knew. I mean in a way I think you know we we we. Everything that we learn is actually we're relearning it, you know. Yeah, it's something that we already knew. We already knew, but but now we are confronted with something, and we we connect with the knowledge that we already have, and that's part of the process of learning. Yeah. Um, so, leaving Argentina gave me a lot a lot of that. I mean, I left Argentina in a really bad moment. You left we, Argentina right as the dirty war was starting, right? Yeah, in the middle of the dirty right, war. Right, in the middle, yeah. So, so you know, as, as you know, we have 30,000 people disappeared. Yeah. And um, and uh, uh, it, was, it, was, it was really horrible. And we're still, you know, uh, suffering from that. I mean, we're still, fortunately, in the last 10 years, you know, most of the people that have been involved in those heinous crimes have been brought to justice and put in jail. A lot of them. You know, yeah. which didn't happen before because they had, they had amnesties and all these awful, you know, things that just you know to get away with it. But now, you know, most of them are, are, um, are in jail. But we still, you know, f- feel the, 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 you know, the repercussions of, of of what happened. I mean, we have organizations like you know, Madres de Plaza de Mayo, and we have Abuelas de Plaza de Mayo, which actually Abuelas is an organization that is trying to. Uh, you know, identify and find, you know, 
grandkids of people that were disappeared. Right, right. We know we have 500 of them and we only have recouped like around 120 yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, meaning recoup is, you know, precisely that's how, how they call it, finding their identity, finding who their parents were and, and you know, what happened to them. And that's basically, you know, uh, in some cases, some of those kids... Um, have been raised by nice families and in some cases have been raised by the same people that actually mm-hmm. killed their parents. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's really, so, so in that context, you know, I came from, from Argentina to look at the world and, and, and uh, realize, you know, why also these things happen and how, um, how injustice, you know, uh, uh, you know, goes rampant around the world and, and what can I make, what can I do to make a difference? One of the things that I didn't know as a kid, I mean, I obviously when I played and I got my my applause and my rewards, you know, I, I felt great. But I um, I think as time went by and now, and now, now it's been, you know, quite a while that I'm very conscious about why I want to do what I do. And um, the, all the many things that I do, producing other artists, doing my own stuff, playing, you know, um, whatever I do, I feel that um, at the end of the day, what what I really would like to, to achieve is, is uh, affecting people in a positive way with what I do. That's what really, and that's something also that I, that I learned after I left Argentina, something mm. that came with, with time, you know, and how can the work that you do uh, affect people and transform people, like what we were talking before. I think uh, it is uh, very important. And with all the other thing that also I learned, and, and I think time was very helpful, is how to deal with, you know, these great recognitions that you can get through, you know, through your career. You know, I've right, been right. Blessed to get, you know. A lot of Grammys. I have, you know, 14 <laughs> right, Grammys, yeah. two American Grammys, two British Academy Awards, one Golden Globe, two Oscars. And how can you put that in, in context, you know, and, and realize that actually, you know, the awards are never giving to you as a person. They're giving to your work to mm. start with. And your, internalizing really, that distinction. Yes. And your work is not only the fruit of your job. I mean, we talked about this any true artist will tell you that there's something when they're creating that actually doesn't come from them. You know, Mm -hmm. it comes from something else that they can explain. I mean, at least in my case, I know that. And I think any honest artist will agree with that. So that's, you know, one. And the other one is that usually when you are there in in, in the podium, you know, getting an award and stuff, that's also the, the, you know the the culmination of 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 of, of a phase or or a work that involved other people, not only yourself. Right, right. And that's very important to to know. Some people, um, you know, I always hate when people go to these awards and they go on stage and they say, "Oh, I wasn't ready. I didn't know this was going to happen." <laughs> or, you know, they cry. You know, and and right. it's like you know, there's thousands of movies or records, and you know, there's only a few that are nominated, and you have to think. <laughs> that if you have that possibility that's the moment that you have to thank all the people that work with you yeah. that's that's their moment i mean right. it's your moment but it's their moment right and uh, so you know i mean i think all all those things i learned with time yeah. and age <laughs> yeah so so let me just ask you this big question in some ways we've been we've you've been we've been talking about this the whole time but but what this life you've lived you know 
mm-hmm. where you were born, where you've gone, and, and your mm-hmm. life in music. You know, how do you think that's formed your sense of what it means to be human? How do you think about that question? Mm. I felt, you know, that um, I haven't, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing because I felt that I had control of my life and I do have control of my life. <clears throat> but at the same time, I'm very aware that I don't, you know. I think this is something that happens to everybody, you know. Yeah. But I've been also proved so many times that something else was, you know, or or the, the events, you know, coincidence, whatever it is but you know situations that actually I didn't have anything to, or something to do but not really any logistics behind you know the way I came into making music for movies for example you know I've always been told that my music was very visual but um, you know the, my my first coming really to some some type of recognition was because I did the music for Amores Perros you know and I almost didn't do that music hmm. because uh, I, um, I, um, I, I was so busy making records at the time, and I never saw a script. I never saw a rough cut, and it was Alejandro's first was a first time director, and I was so busy. I said, you know, tomorrow called and say, please, I'm not going to be able to do this. And in the middle of the night, <laughs> right, I right. woke up and I started thinking, what if this guy is a genius? You know, mm-hmm. and I'm not so. That's how that happened. He turned me into Walter Salis. And one thing, I mean, all life, and and suddenly, you know, I was doing Motorcycle Diaries, and suddenly when we present Motorcycle Diaries in Sundance, I was doing Brokeback Mountain. And in two years, I was collecting, you know, two BAFTAs, two Oscars, Oscars, one Golden Globe. Uh, Same thing happened, I mean, with with the Grammys. I mean, I've always been doing your music, started producing, because I I thought this is what I want to do. And I remember the first time I was nominated for a Grammy, I lost. And I thought, this is it. This is my career. This was right. my big opportunity, right. you know, and I missed it. And then, you know, life proved me differently. And so, so I'm very, in a way, I mean, I try to control what I do, but at the same time, I like to dance with whatever rhythm life proposes to me. So what all this brings me to my understanding of what a human being who human beings are or what are we as human beings mm-hmm. um, we're we're definitely part of something much bigger of what we are uh, but we are a very important part of that whole so, I mean if we are just you know a part of it we are a very important part and we can certainly make a difference, not only for ourselves, but for everything that is around us. I think that's a quality that is very particular to us as a species. Hmm. Well, thank you so much. Um, thank you, Christine. This has been a beautiful conversation. Is there anything you'd want to add, anything that anything that's left over from... I'm very, very, very happy to have, you know, the possibility to talk to you, and I hope, you know... Uh, people enjoy this you know mm-hmm. i don't i don't know what is you know enjoyable but you know i enjoy talking to you very well, much thank, thank you i did too thank you so much for making the time and we'll we'll let you know what's happening with this okay thank you so much okay, okay you take care bye-bye okay? bye-bye